0: Forever you guys. That girl can sing and uh, she's fine too. And She's always going out real fast before I have a chance to holler at her for a minute. Most of you know that is my wife, so I'm not a weirdo. I'm not a creeper. Uh, That's my wife and she's got a beautiful voice. Uh, Hey, listen, if you just came back from the bathroom, if this is your first time here with us or you just tuning in online, you're like, what have I gotten myself into? You're in the right place. Uh, This is a love song series, and actually I just want to take a minute right now and just say hello to all of our family joining us over at the North Campus right now, all of our family joining us online, wherever you are watching from, and a special shout out to those at the Upshur County Jail. Come on, South Campus, let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. Today is a great day. We're starting several things today. As you have already heard, one of them is our life groups. We always say, don't do life alone, and I'm just going to encourage you to go and find a group for you. You can go to the lobbies, to the kiosks at our physical locations or go online, find a group, get in a group. Um, We're excited about what God is going to do in your life through relationships. Uh, And then also today is the start of our relationship series called Love Songs. And this is volume three. Uh, That means I have taught this type of series two other times. In fact, it was the first series that I did as the lead pastor here. And I did it because, I mean, I was really nervous about it because I was like, man, they're either, when you play a song like that at the beginning, they're either going to walk out or they're going to be okay with it. And, but I love love songs. I grew up on love songs. I love R&B love songs. I grew up 80s and 90s love songs. And some people would say that maybe I'm a love song aficionado. Um, I know a number of them. In fact... Uh, if, if you have a love song, typically if you have a love song that's kind of your song, it's like your song between you and your spouse, or you and maybe the person that you're dating right now or something. If you have a love song that's yours and someone else, just raise your hand, either campus, online, put a hand-raise emoji. Okay, shout it out. Let me hear some of them. Shout it out. This is a participatory, participatory day. Shout one out, let me hear. North At Campus last. 2, what? At Last. At Last, is that Etta James, right? Beautiful song. At Last. Someone else. What was it? Cool by Anthony Hamilton? That's a good one too. Okay, I thought I heard from the North Campus, Pastor Gary shouting, Tiny Dancer, which is, it's an odd song, Pastor Gary. I know Mindy's short and all, but you know, I'm just kidding. I asked Mindy if I could make that joke. Uh, That's not really his song. That's not really his song. Anyway, when you have a love song or you hear love songs, it can elicit a number of different emotions. From joy and and just like this these feelings that it can conjure up or it can bring some pain and hurt uh, because actually most love songs are not about love they're about hurt or loss or things like that and and I grew up listening to them and uh, God has redeemed all those for me by the way I can listen to all those songs without thinking about anybody but my beautiful wife so I'm grateful I'm grateful for that but since this is a participatory day one of the things I love to do in this series that just kind of makes it fun, loosens people up a little bit, is I like to sing some of the songs I grew up on, and I'm not a singer, so what I expect <laughs> is for you to sing with me. This just, we're just getting going here, we're just loosening up, so when I start singing, if you know the song, sing it out, okay? If you know the song, don't leave me hanging up here, okay? I'm <laughs> counting on some of you. <clears throat> I'm just going to do a couple. Uh, I, I had so many I wanted to do, but let, let me try with this one, okay? All my life. I have failed. I have failed if you don't know this song. I pray for someone like you and I thank God that I finally found. Okay, now you act like you know it. They're all mouthing the words here. Who, who sings that song? Casey and Jojo. Casey and JoJo. See, you, you knew it, but you didn't sing it. You really hurt my feelings. Okay, I'm going to try another one. I'm going to try another one. Don't leave me hanging on this one. It's a little bit older. Must have been love, but it's over now. Thank you, Sterling. Must have been good, but I lost it somehow. That's sad. That must have been good. I just, I lost it. I don't know. Who knows that one? This is a deep track. Who sang that? Shout it out if you know it. Crickets. Uh, Roxette. Roxette, yeah. Okay, I got one more. I'll do more in the series, but just one more today, and this one's a little bit harder for me, so you know it please (laughs) please help out north i really hope you're singing too um okay it goes (laughs) i don't even want to do it it's gonna be in the wrong key just go with me okay near far where thank the whole crowd knows this one all right what's that song my heart will go on what movie made it famous Titanic. My wife said the song's name was Titanic. (laughs) I think that's a hilarious song for that movie, personally, because she's singing about her heart going on, and she also is the person that on the raft in the frozen river was telling, or the ocean, saying, I'll never let go, Jack. And upon further examination, there was plenty of room on that raft for both of them. (laughs) And she did let go. Because she had made up her mind, her heart was going to go on. (laughs) Like, isn't that funny? Like, you could just see she had already moved on at this point. Anyway, no, I I, I do love love songs, and I used to make uh, mixtapes. How many of you ever made mixtape before? All right, I got some people, you young people don't know the painstaking love it took to make a mixtape. Because you used to have to sit by the radio and wait for the song to come on and the DJ to quit talking that you hit record. If you really liked somebody, you made a mixtape for them. And if you really, really liked them, there used to be a few hours in the evening where you could request a song to go out to somebody. You'd call in and the DJ would say something like, this is a love song from Stephen going out to Tandra, you know, we weren't dating at that time where they were still doing that. But if you really liked them, then you'd put that on the mixtape. Nowadays, it's really easy. You can just make playlists, you know, CDs came out, that, that became a little easier, but now people just, they don't even have to know how to talk to people, you don't have to have any game today, you can just text somebody, you can send them a playlist of love songs, and you know, back in my day, we used to have to know how to talk to people, like you couldn't just text them, you'd have to walk up to them, have some guts, <laughs> give them a mixtape, and say, hey girl, go listen to this at home, you know, then call <laughs> me later, you know, <laughs> couldn't listen to it right then, unless you had a Walkman on her or something, but <laughs> I'm taking some of you back. Anyway, all right. So I, I do love love songs, and and you might be saying today, well, why are we doing a relationship series again? You know, again, we keep doing these, and. Well, one, I get requested all the time to do them because it's not just like a set it and forget it thing. Relationships are never a set it and forget it thing. Just like we talk about faith all the time because you need to continue to grow in your faith. We'll talk about hope all the time because you need to grow in your hope. We need to talk about relationships because we need to continue to grow in our relationships. And it doesn't take much to look around the world and to look around culture today and see that we're still failing at relationships. We're still failing before marriage, and we're still failing after marriage. I can see brokenness all over the place, and people are hurting, and the divorce rate is as high in the church as it is outside of the church. I mentioned a couple years ago that the divorce rate was lower among atheists than Christians, and I thought that's really sad. And even more recent studies show that the divorce rate is lower, but not because people aren't getting divorced. It's just they're not getting married. So they're like, oh, I'm not, that's a broken thing. Why would I want to get married? So they don't get married. Now, the breakup rate is just as high because people are still splitting up. They're just not getting married. And so we, we have to talk about it because we've allowed, I think, even inside the church, we've allowed the culture, we've allowed the world to shape our definition of relationships, to shape how we do relationships. And when we do that, we're taking cues from a broken system And and you can see the failure rate among Hollywood, right? And all of these relationships that continue to break up. And if you take cues from a broken system, you'll get broken results. And that is just where we have been. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way, that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And this is true of relationships. There's a way that seems right in the culture, There's a way that everybody is telling you to do do things when it comes to marriage and relationships. And if you take those cues, the end is death. The end is brokenness. But thank God, he has many things to say in his word about this. So when when we look at the culture, I think part of the problem has been is that we start getting our cues from them and they create these unrealistic expectations and ideas of what relationships are. And many times we base them off of what we see in movies and in television and even in love songs, right? We get this idea of relationships based on, I've got to spend my entire life finding the one. The, the one just for me. My soulmate. And did you know that soulmate is not a biblical idea? It's not mentioned in the scriptures. In fact, soulmate comes from ancient Greek philosophy. There were these Greek playwrights that would write these stories about these Greek gods that were angry at humans on earth, so they would split them in half, and their souls would search the rest of their lives looking for the other half of their soul. So we've based a lot of finding a soulmate based on Greek philosophy, which is not biblical. And it puts this idea out there that until I find my soulmate, I can't be happy. We see this in Disney, we see this in Hollywood, we see this in Hallmark, right? Every Hallmark story ends in a happily ever after moment. Every Disney movie ends with a a, a happily ever after moment that I could just find my one person that I'll be happily ever after. And the problem with that thinking is is it defers happiness until after marriage. And it, it just defers satisfaction until after marriage. And that's just a flawed way of thinking. And that's why I chose the song we sang today how do I live? How many of you know who that was by? Anybody? Shout it out. Leanne Rimes. That's right. Leanne Rhymes. Trisha Yearwood also sang it, but I prefer Leanne Rimes. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't care either way. The song though, how do I live, goes like the word, if you listen to the words, how do I live without you? How do I breathe without you? If you ever go, how would I ever survive? That sounds like a love song to God. It sounds like a worship song to me. I was talking to Tanner. It's like, this sounds like David in the Psalms. Like, God, I can't breathe without you. God, I can't live. If you ever go away, I'll never survive. Yet we're singing this about people. And that's a part of the problem is we've made the person our our dependency. We've made the person dependency on our satisfaction and our happiness. And Paul, in the scriptures, I, I like to use this verse. Paul was a single person. And he was perfectly fine being single. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, uh, I want to read it to you in the message, which is a paraphrase. I just love the way that he puts it here. It says, sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. It's a simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for, every, for everyone any more than marriages. And there's a lot in that phrase right there about where expectancy is, but we'll get to that in another message. God gives the gift of single life to some and the gift of married life to others. What Paul is saying is both are good. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. There's not one that's better than the other. They're both great and they're both from God and there's benefits to both. Listen, single people, something you don't realize that you have right now that you won't get to have if you get married one day is you have your own schedule. You don't gotta consult anybody when you're going somewhere. You have your own habits that don't bother anybody else It's just you you could do what you want, right? You don't have you have your own budget Preach, Preach I'm what I'm <laughs> He's not married But i'll tell you That one of the hardest things to do when I got married was hand over the debit card That was a joint account to my wife like I don't know why that was so difficult for me But it was like, uh, yeah, i'll spend the rest of my life with you But let's be real careful here, you know, like Because you're adopting their spending habits. You're adopting everything the other person does, right? So there's benefits to singleness. Single life is amazing. Married life is amazing as well, as we'll talk about throughout this series. But what I found that's funny is that everybody wants to be in a different season that they're in. Single people, they're like, oh, I'll just be happy when I get married one day. I know married people that are like, I would just be happy if I were single again, right? We all think that it's happier somewhere Else, but both are good and both are gifts from God. Single people, let me see who you are. Both campuses online, just raise your hand. North Campus, raise your hand. Okay, okay, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. All right, look around, look around, look around. See who you're working with. (laughs) Keep them up. Who you see? You might get an idea of somebody. This is the place you want to meet them. Okay. Not right now, North Campus. Stay seated. I just want you to be aware of who you're working with. It's the best place to find somebody. But single people. Y'all still talking to each other, trying to find a number. Let me holler at you for a minute. No, just kidding. Wait till after the service, please. Get them some coffee in the lobby. Okay. No, no, no. Y'all together. Y'all together, right? Yeah? Okay, all right. Stay in the series. Just stay in the series, okay? It'll get better. It'll get better. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. All right, single people, but for real, listen. Everybody listen. You need to understand that your satisfaction and your, pers- your purpose was never meant to be found in another person. The stage of life that you are in, the season of life you are in is a gift from God. And this is a biblical principle that you find all throughout Scripture. In fact, the first principle we see in Scripture is about the principle of priority. And the Bible is full of principles that we'll look at in this series, that if we will adopt these principles into our life for relationships, it will go well with us in our relationships. The first principle being the principle of priority shows us that God is our first priority. In the garden, when God was creating the world, he created Adam first, and it was just Adam and God. They had a relationship, a number one priority relationship of just God and Adam. There was no distractions. There was no competition. There was no one else vying for time. It was just Adam and God walking in the garden and spending time together. This is the picture of our first priority relationship must be our relationship with God. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We'll get to that another day. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper Fit for him. There's a lot of things in this passage that describe to us the, the plan that God had for us as humans. First, being our relationship with God. And when you have that right relationship with God, you can see then that God put Adam to work. He wasn't just sitting around doing nothing in the garden. He gave him a purpose. He told him, work, and tend the garden, keep the garden, get busy about what I've got for you. And then as he was faithful with that, if you continue to read, God gives him more. He says, okay, now you can name all these animals. So Adam, your boy was busy. He was working. He wasn't sitting around twiddling his thumbs. He had purpose. And that came out of his relationship with God. You see, the garden is a picture of perfection. It's the picture of the way that it was always supposed to be. A right relationship with God, and out of that comes our purpose. In fact, I would say it this way, that right priorities reveal right purpose. When you get the right priorities in your life, of your relationship with God, it's from that healthy relationship that God begins to lay out a purpose for your life. And there's too many people that have no purpose in their life. There's too many people that are just walking around with no purpose because they've got the wrong priorities in life. Sometimes putting that priority in another person. Listen, ladies, I want you, if you're single, you want a man who works. You want a man who's got some purpose for their life. You want a man who's got a job, not just sitting around playing video games. There's nothing wrong with video games, but if that's all you do, sir, you need to get a job. You need to get on with the purpose that God has for your life. Ladies, you, you, you want to make sure that his purpose is not you. Men, men. You want a woman who already knows who she is in Christ, who is busy about what God has called her to do, not waiting for you to come. Her vision's not just you come and make me happy the rest of my life. That's not gonna end well for you, sir. You need to make sure that she has a relationship with God because that right priority will reveal the purpose for your life. And I've found that if you're not busy with God's purpose for your life, you'll try to find purpose in someone else. I want you to write this down, that God gives you purpose before a person Because your purpose is not found in a person. Adam had not had Eve come along yet when he was busy with what God had for him. Listen, a person may be a part of your purpose at some point, but they themselves are not your sole purpose in life. And God puts people together and then joins their purposes together to accomplish something great, but you each also have a purpose outside of each other. There's a great example of this in scripture of a woman who had been through some things. She had lost some things. She had experienced some loss, but she had her priorities right. And that woman is Ruth. And I wanna take a look at Ruth. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ruth chapter one, but let me give you some backstory to Ruth. Ruth is not something we often talk about in the Bible, but it's in the Old Testament. Uh, and Ruth was the daughter-in-law of a woman named Naomi. Now, Naomi was uh, married to a man named Elimelech. They were from Judah. And they had moved to Moab. And in Moab, it was considered to be an ungodly area. Yet they're living in Moab. They have two sons. And their two sons had married two Moabite women. Ruth being one of them. And the other one was Orpah. Not Oprah. Orpah. It looks the same, but it's different. So Ruth and Orpah are the daughter-in-laws of Naomi. And in the story... You, you can read about this in Ruth 1, but Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi a widow. And 10 years later, her two, her two sons die. So now you have Naomi as a widow with who, her two daughter-in-laws, who are also widows, living together. This is where we pick up the story in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. It says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah, that was her homeland, by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept." Verse 10 says, no, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes for I'm too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, if I were to get married tonight and have kids tonight, which is crazy, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord has raised his fist against me. She's feeling some sorrow, some sadness. She feels alone. She feels like God has left her. And then in verse 14, it says, and again, they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. Orpah was like, that sounds like a good plan. Peace, I'm out. (laughs) You're right. Things aren't going well for you. I'm gonna go find a man. That's what she was saying. But it says, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. In verse 15, it says, Naomi, look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. What was she saying? Go back to your culture. Go back to doing things the way that everybody else was doing them. You don't have to go with me. You need to go find a man. You need to go find some satisfaction. You need to go find security. Isn't that what that said? That you need to go find the security of another marriage? So Naomi was telling her what what culture tells us today. Go find security in a person. Go back to the culture. Go look at the way they were doing things, Go back to serving their gods in Moab as well. It's very fascinating. But in the next verse, look at what it says in verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. She's like, you are my ride or die. I'm not leaving you. Ruth got gangster for a minute here. (laughs) And then she says something strong. She says, may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Now this phrase is something that you'll often hear people say in times of marriage, like in a wedding. And it's like a covenant between two people. But that's really not even the context of this passage. Ruth was saying, no, no, I'm committed to you, Naomi. Yeah, I'm not gonna abandon you when you're in your pain. I'm not gonna leave you when you think God has abandoned you. Your God is my God now. I'm focusing on God. I'm focusing on the right things. I'm gonna fulfill my duties as a daughter-in-law to take care of you. Ruth wasn't focused on herself. She didn't peace out and leave her to go find another man. No, she said, I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna be with you. I'm committed to you. Ruth was a faithful person. She had her priorities right. She wasn't focused purely on self. She wasn't going back to the old culture. She wasn't going back to the way of doing things. She knew that she did not need someone to complete her. She was confident and secure in who she was in this season of her life. So I wanna go back to Genesis 2 real fast. You remember when it said at the very end of the passage that we read that God at the right time said, I'm going to make Eve a what? Helper. He made her to be a helper helper not a completer. This is something that Ruth understood, that you don't need another person to complete you. Eve was never meant to be the completion of Adam. She was meant to be a helper to Adam. See, we love to think that we're the completion of somebody because it feels good to us. I mean, I love the idea of being the complete, oh, she needs me. I complete her, like Jerry Maguire, right? You complete me. And everybody goes, oh, that's so sweet the missing piece of the puzzle. I complete them. And that's all cute before marriage. You want to complete somebody before, but after marriage, you're like, you still need me? Why do I still have to do this for you? Why? Because you have made that person God in your life and they cannot do for you what only God can do for you. Only God can complete you. Married people, holler at me for a minute. You know what I'm talking about. The things that you thought were cute before that you're like they really need me I'm taking care of them you're like later can't you just do this yourself (laughs) can't you just pick up after yourself can't you just you know like it's cute before but you don't want to have to be that completion to somebody because you will get tired and they will get tired of you you were never meant to be a completer to somebody else and the reason that there's a desire in us for someone else to fill that void is because we desire security We desire identity. We desire acceptance. And when we don't feel like we get that from someone else, we become insecure. And the reality is, is insecurity is a result of putting your security in the wrong things, including people. And when we put our security in people, in family, in friends, in relationships, in marriage, when we put our full security in that, and they let us down, which inevitably they will because we are humans When people let you down, then you begin to feel insecure and your foundation is shaken because your priority was in the wrong thing. Your focus was in the wrong thing. God brings security. And as this week, as I was preparing and just praying for people, I just felt there were a lot of people here today who are wounded. You've been wounded by past relationships, past marriages, past family relationships. And even in worship today, my heart just began to break because I felt the pain that people were experiencing. But I also felt that, I, that some people are here who think that if they could just get into another relationship, that that person will heal them or that person will solve their problems. And I'm just here to tell you today, that person is not going to solve your problems. No relationship will solve your problem. If you were lonely before, you'll be lonely after. If you're insecure before, you'll be insecure after. If you're hurting before, you're gonna be hurting after because a person cannot complete you and solve those problems in you. Here's the truth. Two broken people don't make a whole person. Yeah. Yeah. We often think if I could just get someone else, I'll be secure. I'll feel good about myself. I'll, I'll be whole again. But two broken people do not make a whole person. You can complement each other, and that's the way God designed it, but you could never complete each other. So my encouragement is to get healthy first. Get get healthy first so you don't perpetuate this cycle of brokenness and hurt that we see in everybody else looking for someone else to complete them. I remember when my wife and I, Tandra, were engaged, we were about a month before we were going to get married, and uh, we were on a date. And she asked me this question. She said, could you live without me? And I was thinking, she's not going to like this answer. And I said, yes, I can. And I could just watch her face was breaking down. And it was like, if you've ever seen those social videos that are out, it was like, emotional damage. And I was like, I knew that I was hurting her in this moment. So I was like, baby, 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 wait, 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 baby, listen, listen, let me explain, let me explain. I can live without you. I don't want to live without you. Let me make that clear, right? I love you, I wanna spend the rest of my life with you, but I can live without you because in college, I was in a bad relationship that I had sung those words to someone else. How do I live without you? How do I breathe without you? If you ever go, I'll never survive. And I felt like I wasn't gonna survive. And it was in that point of brokenness and hurt that I determined I was not going to let someone else be the completion that only God could be in my life. So I said, yes, I can live without you, But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. And she was fine after that. But in that moment, I could just see this, we're gonna need some more counseling uh, before we get married. But here is the reality. Two healthy people in marriage with God make one healthy person. And that's what we're gonna look at later in the series. That's for another time. But before looking for someone, the encouragement is work on your issues. Get healthy first, okay? Married people know what I'm talking about here. You can't fix someone else. It's hard enough to fix you, you know, but but you can't fix someone else. And the the funny thing is that men get married thinking that women will never change, that she's gonna be exactly how she is right now, taking care of me, this pretty, everything's gonna be exactly the same. And women get married thinking that they can change the man. Like, yeah, he's a work in progress, but see me in 10 years, I'm going to have him all fixed up, right? <laughs> Both are wrong, by the way, okay? Men, she will change. And women, he may not change. It's going to be very frustrating to you to get into that and think, I can solve all his problems. But, but this is just the funny thing is we, we need to work on us, not work on someone else. And when we get our priorities out of order and we start looking at that other person as the priority relationship in our life, we look to a relationship to fix our problems and we just get more problems. Yeah. We just get two problems. Now I got your problems and my problems, you know, and, and that's, that just doesn't work out. So the reason it's so important to get healthy first is this. You attract who you are. We often think, no, I'm going to attract who I want. No, you attract who you are at your core. I'm not saying that opposites don't attract or, or personality can't complement each other. What I'm saying is the kind of person you really are deep down, that's the kind of person that you're going to attract. Yeah. Women, you say, well, I, I want a man who is financially secure, who's a hard worker, who's got vision and purpose, but you don't have a job, you overspend every month, you know, and, and, and you don't have any vision or purpose for your life. If he's really that kind of a person, he can see through the facade and he knows a bad investment when he sees it. I'm not talking to anybody specifically, (laughs) don't take this personally, okay? You say, well, I want a man who likes me for me, not the way I look on the outside, well then change the way you dress, because the way you're dressing says I'm trying to attract him a different way, now I'm not telling you how to dress, okay, ladies, you can dress however you want, but I'm just saying, I see some of y'all, y'all out there posting stuff on social media wearing almost nothing, looking like everybody else, and going, why do I keep catching dogs, Maybe it's the bait. I'm just, I'm I'm saying this because I love you. I love you, right? Whatever you catch them with, you got to keep them with. If you catch them with your body, you got to keep them with your body. And ladies, unfortunately, your body will decline. I hate to tell you that. It's just nature. As you get older, things don't get better. Look, there's a scripture to prove this, okay? proverbs Proverbs 31 30 let's get to the bible real quick proverbs 31 30 charm is deceitful and beauty is passing but a woman who fears the lord she shall be praised i used to think that this meant there were two options you could be pretty or you could love the lord i just growing up as a kid i used to always read proverbs and so i'll be like so, God, if she loves you, I got to marry an ugly person. And that's just simply not true. I got both. I always say that my wife is a Proverbs 32 woman because 31 ain't got nothing on her. She's better than 32, right? But here's the reality it, you know, it, there is a proper order of attraction that it starts in the spiritual. You want a person who is really spiritually attractive first. That, that's the way it was with me. That's my story with Tandra is that at the time, I wasn't even living here. I don't have time to tell you the whole story today. But God began to reveal her character to me. I was attracted to her spiritually first, to her integrity, to her heart for God. And at the right time, he took the blinders off my eyes. And I was like, whoa, man, like, look, she is beautiful. But it was spiritual attraction first. For her, it was the complete opposite. She, she just wanted me from my body. I'm just being, I'm just being honest. I'm just... That's why I have to continue to work out. I caught her with it. I got to keep her with it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just being serious. She really was. It did get around. It did, it did get around. No. But, but you attract who you are. Men, you say, I want a woman who's on fire for God. I want a woman who's confident. I want a woman who loves the Lord. But you're not taking any next steps. You're not serving anywhere. You're not leading a group. You're not on fire. If there's no fire in you, don't expect to attract the fire in someone else. You will attract who you are at your core. So here's my suggestion. Become the kind of person the person you're looking for is looking for. Let me say it again. Become the kind of person That the person you're looking for is looking for. Because the kind of person you're looking for, they got a kind of person they're looking for too. Become that kind of person. And if you're married, still become that kind of person. Don't look for nobody else. Don't worry about your spouse. You focus on you and become the kind of person that God wants you to be. Because when you know your purpose and you have the right priorities, God will bring the right kind of person. And God brings them, by the way. This is what happened in Genesis. If you were to go back and read in Genesis chapter 2, it says that God put Adam to sleep. Because, men, we can't be involved in this process or we'll mess it up. So he, he put Adam to sleep. And it says he took a rib out of Adam and he fashioned Eve. And then at the right time, he brought her to him. Adam wasn't out in the club looking for a lady Adam wasn't on Tinder swiping right. Adam was just doing what God told him to do. And at the right time, he got brought Eve. That's my story as well, by the way. This was the first time in my life that I could remember saying, God, I don't want a relationship. I just want to focus on you. I'm not focused on trying to find a girl to fill any needs in me. I'm going to just focus on you. I was busy about what he called me to do in that season. And it was out of the blue that Tandra came along. It just happened that all of a sudden, she showed up at the right time. It's because I was running after God, and this is what my parents always used to tell me, and I never believed them, but it was true. As you're running after God, you just keep your eyes on God, and at the right time, you look over, and there's someone else running after God too. At the same pace, you're running after God, and you go, maybe this is something that we could work out. That's what happened with us. And the the same thing happened to Ruth, actually. Go back to Ruth chapter 2 in verse two it says that now they're back in judah it says one day ruth the moabite said to naomi let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it so she's like let me just go pick up some food first let me go find some food for you naomi and naomi replied all right my daughter go ahead so ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters and as it happened she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. I just like the phrasing of that. As it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. What was Ruth doing? She was just taking care of Naomi. She was just saying, you know what? I'm going to go gather some food for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be busy working. And as it happened... She found herself in the field of a man named Boaz. And if you read this story, Boaz was a wealthy, godly man. And as you could see, he just so happened to be from the clan of Elimelech. And the fact that, ha- if you were to read this, Boaz and Ruth get into a relationship over some time. But what's fascinating to me about this is that because Boaz was from the clan of her father-in-law, Elimelech, he had the opportunity and the right because he was a part of the family to purchase the land that once belonged to Naomi and Elimelech and in purchasing that land for Naomi and Ruth he was then able to because of his relation to Elimelech purchase the rights to make her his bride. It just so happened that she was busy about what God had her doing focused on the right priorities Not looking for another relationship, that she just ended up in the field of a rich, godly man. And I hear ladies say all the time, I just gotta find me a Boaz. We have one, he's at the North Campus, Boaz Dias. I'm just messing with you, Boaz. But I always wanna say, don't look for a Boaz, just be a Ruth, just be faithful. If you read the story, Boaz was attracted to Ruth because of her faithfulness to God, her integrity, her character, her virtue. She wasn't looking for a man to complete her. She was just focused on God. And Ruth is a great example to us. We can learn a lot of things from the book of Ruth if you go read it on relationships, but this isn't a story about how to get a man. This isn't a story about how to find a spouse. No, it's a bigger picture. It's a bigger picture of God's love for us. You see, Ruth, because she married Boaz, Ruth was a Moabite woman. Boaz was from Judah. And because she married Boaz, she's in the lineage of Jesus. Ruth and Boaz had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had sons, and one of them was David. And David is where Jesus came from, from the lineage of David. It's a picture of of God's great love for us. Ruth is a picture of how Jesus is a better Boaz. Boaz is named a kinsman redeemer. He's the one that came along when she was just gathering in the field, just working in the dirt, just being faithful. And what he did was he rescued her. He bought her back. He bought the rights to make her his bride. This is what Jesus did for us. He is our redeemer. He came along and he rescued us and he purchased the rights for us to become his bride. We're the bride of Christ. You see, here's the picture we need to learn from this is that the greatest love story of all time is not you and another person it's not in hollywood it is your relationship with jesus and what he did for us when we were helpless when we were hopeless he saved us and he rescued us this is what we need to learn today is that he is our redeemer we are his bride in whatever season that you are in. If you're married, if you're single, if you're divorced, if you're widowed, if you're a widower, if you're in a blended family, here's what I want you to understand. Every relationship you have gets better when you find completion in God. Every relationship gets better when this relationship is whole and healthy. I want you to have healthy relationships, I want you to succeed. But I'm just telling you, it's out of this completion everything else gets better friendships it doesn't matter you don't pull on people for things they could never give you because you're already satisfied in Jesus would you stand with me and as you're standing I'm going to invite my wife up to join me and if you have if you have your spouse with you I'm going to ask you to take them by the hand or put your arm around them not if you noticed somebody earlier and you don't go by them now this is an awkward time to do that but I want to take some time and pray, and I want to pray just for our relationships and ask God first to be the completion for us. So if you would just pray with me. Lord, we just thank you, God, that you created relationships, God. You defined them, and, and you defined it first by our relationship with you, God, through the, the principle of priority relationship with you. And I just pray today, God, for everyone at the sound of my voice, God. I pray that today they would settle some things in their life, God. That they would settle some things in their soul. If they're single, that they would be settled in You. That they would find their completion in You. If they're married, that they would be settled in You. That they'd find their completion in You, God. You are our satisfaction. You are our joy. You are our Savior, God. And it's from that healthy relationship, every other relationship gets healthy. So I pray today, God, for those who are broken. For those who are hurting. For those who need to be healed in their relationships or in their marriage, God. Those who came here today with a heavy heart, I pray, God, that you would begin to mend their heart, that you would begin to be the things to them that only you can be. Only you can heal us. Only you can make us whole, God. We're all broken without you. And I pray today, even today, that you begin to mend broken hearts. I pray, God, that people would find hope today for their marriages, hope today for their relationships, that they can have success. That it doesn't have to end up hurting. It doesn't have to end up broken. That if we'll put your principles into play in our life, we'll have healthy relationships. And I wanna pray today while your heads are still bowed for anybody here who's saying, you know what? I don't know that I've ever fully given my life to Jesus. I don't know that I've ever made him the priority relationship in my life. I've not found my identity in him. I've not found my security in him. Today, that's your first step. That will change the rest of your life is to fully put your faith and trust in Jesus, to fully give him your life and say, this is the only relationship that I have to work on right now is my relationship with him. If that's you today, I wanna give you the chance to make him the Lord of your life, to make him your savior, to allow him to redeem you. He already paid the price. You might as well allow him to make you his bride. And if that's you, wherever you are, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And I always say this, this isn't the prayer that saves you. It's just your confession to God out loud saying, God, I'm giving you my life. And I'm gonna ask all of us at both campuses to pray this with those who are making this decision to just help encourage them and give them some boldness. So let's pray this. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I give my life to you. I look to you to complete me. I look to you. You are my savior. You are my savior. I turn away from the things that I've been doing. I turn away from the things that I've been doing. And I commit to do it your way. And I commit to do it your way. I give you my life. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Come on, can we celebrate with those that made that decision? Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text YESCARD to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We want to come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.